Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. Welcome back, squad, to episode number 55 of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom podcast. I am coming at you today with a slightly different vibe for today's podcast episode because not that long ago, we hit the one-year mark from when the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom podcast was born, when it was created, and I was shaking in my boots and pressed record anyway. And if you were with me or have gone back since to listen to episode number one, which I kind of detailed my hero's story, what got me to where I am today, you learned a little bit about me and why I became a nutrition coach and how I can so deeply resonate with and relate to what you're going through because I've been there. But I realize it's been quite some time since I shared about me and why I am who I am and why I totally understand that you're tempted by diet culture and you're tempted by the quick fixes, but why it never pays off. So today I want to share a little bit about my story. And if you're not interested in learning more about me, feel free to skip this episode and check back in next week. Next week is a great episode, but What I want more than anything is to establish a connection with you. I want us to be able to respect and relate to one another. I don't want to be some stranger on the internet that randomly shares no-nonsense nutrition with you. I love that. I do. I want to be your resource for true education when it comes to creating your most confident relationship with food and your healthiest body and fat loss that lasts. I want to be that person for you, but I don't just want to be that stranger on the internet. I want to be someone who you feel like you know and could go grab a cup of coffee with and just share stories, successes, and struggles. Because I think more than anything, in all of my years of education and experience working with one-on-one coaching clients, aren't we all just looking for connection? I think so many of the conversations I have with my one-on-one rock stars scream, I just want someone to understand me. I want someone to validate what I'm feeling and experiencing. And I want someone to be in my corner unconditionally and help me figure out how to become the best version of me. That's what I wanted. It's what I needed and what I didn't have which is why I sit here today speaking into your life. But maybe you want that too. And if not, like I said, keep on scrolling. But today I want to tell you a little bit about what got me here. So maybe you feel like you understand and connect with me a little bit more, but maybe you can learn from my mistakes and learn from my lessons 
and take the road less traveled before I did. Because I wish, I so desperately wish I had someone like that in my life who could have pointed me in the right direction. And I understand changes take time and readiness is a variable that we have to consider. So if I look back at my history, there was a lot of time where I wouldn't have been receptive to someone like me. I wouldn't have listened. Even if I had the resource, I just wasn't willing to open up my ears and open up my eyes to the truth because my behavior was my coping mechanism. It was my security zone. It was my safety net. And I felt like I needed it. And so if you maybe tried talking to me at that time, I don't know that I would have heard you. And so maybe that's where you're at in your life. But if you're at a place where you feel like you could learn and grow and you want to change because you know, when you lay down in your bed at night and you take a look at your relationship with food and you take a look at your life, you know, something isn't working. Something needs to change. So let's backtrack a little bit. <laughs> Let me tell you about me. I grew up in a wonderful family and I grew up in a family that didn't really have a lot of shit around food. My parents prioritized physical activity. They always were encouraging us to be active as a family. We would go for walks. We would go for bike rides. I was involved in probably every sport imaginable growing up. And I loved it. It felt fun. I wasn't forced to do those things. I genuinely wanted to. And when it came to food, to be honest, I didn't think much about it. Growing up, I remember macaroni and cheese with peas. That was my favorite meal as a child. Velveeta, obviously. And I remember my favorite combo was a spoonful of half mashed potato and half applesauce. It's amazing. So lots of delicious comfort foods and carbs. My mom would make spaghetti and we would have pancakes on the weekends. And of course, the occasional sweet treats. My grandfather was a chef. So I had a lot of exposure to different foods and not just comfort foods and starches like the ones I mentioned, but vegetables too. My mom made those often and nothing was ever touted as being bad or being good. I just ate and I didn't really give it a second thought. If I look back to my relationship with food growing up, it was pretty darn healthy. And that's because I had great healthy role models. My parents never made dieting a thing. I remember as I got older, my mom would go on like walking meetings with friends and I knew that the goal was, you know, maybe to lose a little bit of weight, but it was never a thing growing up where I felt like I was encouraged or pressured to do that. In fact, I can remember around middle school, I started becoming aware of my body and that it wasn't as thin or as skinny as some of my other classmates. They were naturally long and lean and, and I wasn't. And I remember coming home and making mention of that. And my mom only encouraged me to do things that help my body to feel good and not to compare myself to other people. And so that was that. And around ninth grade, I hit a growth spurt and everything kind of evened out and it wasn't, you know, really a thought anymore. But 
my body wasn't a thought. It wasn't something I really gave a lot of credit to. My body allowed me to show up on the soccer field, on the volleyball court. Yes, even on the golf team. Guys, I was so cool in high school. I tried to tell my husband that he doesn't believe me. I did it all and I felt good doing it. And I would eat really healthy, nourishing things. We probably had protein and veggies at almost every meal, but then I would have some candy or I would have a cookie or something afterwards. And I didn't even question it because my body could do everything I wanted it to do. And isn't that what we want? So growing up, I had a freaking amazing relationship with food. And then it all kind of started to crumble when I graduated high school because I was less active. I wasn't on all those sports teams anymore. And now I was in college and college requires a lot of sitting and a lot of studying and a lot of coffee dates. And those are all sedentary behaviors. So I noticed that I was putting on a little bit of weight and it didn't feel super comfortable for me, but I was like, you know what? I I can do something about this, right? So I started running. Now, I know what you're thinking because growing up, I would always say, I'm never going to run unless someone's chasing me or unless I'm trying to shoot a goal because for some reason running felt different on the soccer field. But I started running just because, but at the same time, I was also absorbing a lot of cultural content by way of online magazines. I remember reading Vogue and Teen Vogue and Women's Health and Self, and I would subscribe to all their email newsletters. And this was a relatively stressful season in my life because college, right? And I was trying to figure out these new friend circles because now high school people had gone all over the States to college and you know, who was I and where was my circle of people? Anyway, I started reading a lot of this content and that was seriously making an impression upon me, even though I probably wouldn't have acknowledged it at the time. But I remember reading things about eating less and exercising more. And that message became pervasive in everything that I was reading and watching and listening to. And then I realized that running had the potential to change my body. I remember noticing, wow, I'm exercising more. I was hitting the gym occasionally and my body was changing. And that felt like power to know that I could control what my body looked like because of what I chose to do and to eat. Now, this is what I shared in my hero's journey because around this time, everything sort of blew up in my life. So you can kind of see that up until this point, life was great. I had nothing to complain about. I loved every bit of who I was. I grew up in a great, supportive, loving family, and I was very blessed to be able to do that. I loved school. Super weird, I know, but I thrived. Straight A's was my jam. I loved being involved in all those extracurricular activities. I had a great social circle who was super supportive, and then my brother started struggling with drug addiction. And it was a thing that was happening and I was just obliviously unaware for quite some time. And I remember the day he came home and he was in high school at the time and he had tears in his eyes and he was talking to my mom and he said, mom, I have a problem. 
I can't stop. He knew that he had the genetic makeup for addiction and it was such a strong pull. And so the whirlwind began with finding my brother a rehab program and not talking about it really because the Christian community that I grew up in, that would be viewed as sin. And it would speak poorly, not only of my brother, but also of our family. And so you kind of have to hide it, not to mention it's this new thing that you're trying to wrap your brain around and nobody really knows how serious it is. Or I, I was so oblivious and so naive to the world of addiction and substance use until I was forced into it. And now I have a very deep understanding and appreciation for anyone who is struggling with addiction. It truly is a disease. And if you want to fight me on that, go ahead. I'm happy to chat with you about it. It is so far from a moral failing. I watched my brother for years, for years, try everything in his power to get better. And unfortunately for him, it it didn't happen. Addiction won. But during that time, my brother was probably in and out of rehab about seven, possibly eight times. And throughout a span of a couple years, there were a lot of ICU and hospital visits because of overdoses. And guys, my world was rocked. (laughs) It was rocked. I grew up in this perfect family and I was this perfect straight A student. And all of a sudden, life was crumbling. And I had no idea what to do about it. All the while trying to still get straight A's because that was my value as a person at the time. And the stress of college and the stress of trying to do my best, all while not having the mental ability to wrap my brain around what I was going through as the sister, but also what my brother was going through and trying to understand and be there for my family. So throughout this season, I realized that I felt out of control. I had no control over this family that was falling apart, or at least that's what it felt like to me. And there was a lot of yelling and a lot of misunderstanding and miscommunication because unless you struggle with addiction yourself, it's hard to understand. It's hard to wrap your brain around. And and so I vividly remember being in my brother's hospital room one time after another relapse. And I looked at him and I said, can this please be the last time? And he just looked at me and said, Nick, it doesn't work like that. And that friends is probably when I first really started understanding, but I had to control my life somehow, right? I couldn't just let things spiral. I obviously couldn't control his behavior. I couldn't control the behavior of my parents. I couldn't control the behavior of people who would look down on us and shame us because addiction was in our family. So I controlled my food. I could control that. I could control my calories. I started logging in my fitness pal every single day. Running no longer became a healthy outlet for me. I abused it and set this completely insane goal of needing to run five miles every day, no matter what, even if I was taking a spin class. And even if I didn't have time to run five miles before my classes, I would run two and a half before and then revisit the gym and run two and a half after. Even if it was raining or snowing or sleet, I would go because I had to. It became a compulsion. And so sure, running five miles every day, not a healthy behavior. But on top of that, logging in my fitness pal and forcing myself to stay under 1000 calories a day. Why? No idea. 
it felt like a good restriction, like a good way for me to exert control in my life. And I was still reading all these things and then I started getting deeper into that diet culture world and I had a Tumblr account. If anybody remembers Tumblr, that dates me a little bit, but on this account, I remember following tons of Thinspo accounts with girls that had bones protruding and they would talk about how it had been eight hours since they'd eaten and we would support each other in our starvation. And we would post pictures of bodies that we wanted to look like. And looking back, they were emaciated, sick bodies, but that's what I wanted because for some strange reason in my brain, I was equating thinness with worthiness as if somehow that would make my life better. It would make things okay. And we all know how that story ends, (laughs) but I didn't see it at the time. I didn't get it. It was my coping mechanism. I was so deeply tied to my behaviors. In fact, I can remember I did my undergrad at Temple University and I would often frequent a local grocery store and hit up the salad bar after my runs. And I had just come back from a five mile run around the city and I was sweating and to give you a little bit of perspective, I don't want to tell you like how much I weighed and what, you know, I look because it's so different and it doesn't even matter. The unhealthy behaviors are what define an eating disorder. It's not your size. It's not your weight. It's not your shape, but I was very, very sick. My friends, very sick. And I remember a woman coming up to me at the salad bar and she said, she just touched my arm and she said, sweetheart, you need to stop running. And I looked at her like she was crazy. Like, woman, you don't know me. First of all, why are you touching me? Second of all, how do you know I just came from a run other than the fact that I'm in workout clothes? But looking back, she can see. I was starving. I was sick and I was living in a broken body. Now, I wasn't at a t- I wasn't at a place in my life where I could hear her or receive what she was trying to say and how she was trying to help me, but looking back, I realized that there are many, many opportunities where I could have reached out for help and I chose not to because I was so deeply connected, these coping mechanisms, I didn't know how to deal with the trauma and the stress that was my life at the time without running and without starving myself because hunger felt like something better than grief and sorrow and sadness and anger. Hunger I could deal with. And I wasn't, it was enforced. It was encouraged because of society. I was reading these things and I was involved in this online community that was saying, Hey, being skinny is better than the taste of pizza, right? Nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. And that's bullshit by the way, but I would latch on to these things and it justified my behavior. And this went on and on and on. And I slowly started to grasp that I had a problem because my body turned me in. I remember a period of time in my life where I thought I was really, really ill. I went to the campus nurse. I don't know. Is that what you call her? Like the health center at at college. And they, they did some blood work and they actually sent me home immediately because something in my blood work, they thought that I had cancer and I had had skin cancer before as a child and they were being very cautious as they should have been. So I went home right away and it was around the same time that I was experiencing crazy dizzy spells. And every day I was so lightheaded. I felt like I was going to pass out. 
and I, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I couldn't figure it out. So we went home, went to the oncologist. Everything was fine, just like a, a genetic fluke. Uh, but I was still feeling so sick and I was still pushing through because it was what I knew. And I then decided to go to grad school because I was like, wait a second, nutrition, I'm obsessed with it. And this is going to be a great career field. And I know that even though I don't have my shit together, clearly I'm not the only one that struggles with this food stuff because I mean, look at this community that I'm a part of online and look at everything that I read. And I I saw other people struggling with similar things. And so I decided I really want to learn more about this for me, but also for everyone else. And it wasn't until grad school that I realized I had to get my shit together before I could help anyone else. And in grad school, all of this was still happening. And I remember going to a doctor and he looked at me at the time and he was like, I don't need to examine you. I know exactly what your problem is. And I was like, what, what, what is it? Tell me what's my problem. And he was like, you're underweight. You are sick. You need to gain weight and then your symptoms will go away. And I was like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like in America, the BMI chart tells me that I'm okay. Like I'm on the low end of a really low end of okay, but I'm okay. And I know it's a little different here in the UK, but like, and he just looked at me like I had seven heads because he's the doctor and here I am trying to justify my, my choices. (laughs) And it was around that time that I realized, okay, Nicole, if you're having medical professionals tell you why you haven't had your period for three years and why you're feeling so ill and so broken and so sick. Maybe, maybe there's something to this. And my eyes slowly started being opened. And I get asked a lot, usually from moms of daughters who are struggling with disordered eating. And they say, Nicole, what was the light bulb moment for you? How can I help my daughter to see? And unfortunately there was no light bulb moment. It was a lot of years built up over time. And eventually my body just asked me for help in such big ways that I couldn't ignore. And so I slowly started adding all the food that I had eliminated back in and you name it, I cut it out. I wasn't eating bread products. I wasn't eating carbohydrates. I wasn't eating meat. I wasn't eating anything processed or packaged. No sugar, definitely. No caloric beverages. I wasn't eating many like fats, no nuts, no snacks, nothing like that. Basically my diet was fruit, some vegetables, the occasional like turkey breast and popcorn. I loved popcorn so much. I made it like my meal more often than not. Not healthy, not condoning it. Just saying that's what I relied upon because for some reason in my brain, those low calorie options were justified. And so I slowly started adding things back in. I remember starting my day with muesli and some yogurt and that felt like a completely foreign concept, but I was trying my best and I added nuts back in all the while still running because while I was willing to loosen my white knuckle grip on my relationship with food, I wasn't willing to change it with running, at least not at the time. So I slowly started to gain a little weight, but it felt like an okay thing, especially because I noticed that my body felt better. 
which is why I impress upon my one-on-one coaching clients so, so much that I need them to focus on how they feel, not just on how much they weigh, because your body will tell you friends, if you are on the right path, we're really, really bad at listening to her. Take it from someone who's been there, but your body will tell you if she feels fantastic or if you are maybe compromising her health and performance because of your choices and your coping mechanisms. I hear you if that's where you're at. And I understand if that's what you're struggling with, it needs to change. So I completed my graduate program. Yay. (laughs) And my relationship with food had started to improve. I came home and I continued incorporating all of the foods that I had cut out. I remember for years, I wouldn't let myself have birthday cake. My mom would cut me a slice of watermelon and stick a candle in it. Like that's how lame and restrictive I was friends. And I started adding those things back in and allowing myself to really enjoy food. And while I was applying for nutrition positions locally, I decided, what the hell, I'll become a personal trainer. So I started working at a local gym and I was exercising a lot because that's where I worked and it made my body feel extra great and my relationship with food felt awesome. I didn't really think about it much anymore. I knew that I was burning the calories off. So eating more felt okay because I was working out more. Still a very sick, distorted perspective, but I didn't see it because it felt like progress to me. It's often what we see now where someone says, oh, I'm eating healthy. And while what they eat is healthy, the thoughts, the motivations behind their choices are extremely unhealthy. If that's you, friends, what you eat isn't the classification of whether or not you have a confident, healthy relationship with food or whether you struggle with disordered eating. It's the thoughts that run through your brain and the motivations behind your choices. So I started gaining weight and I remember that this was scary for me because, whoa, okay, weight gain. I initially thought that was a bad thing, but this feels all right because I'm still working out and Then I realized I was a little uncomfortable in my body. I didn't like carrying that much weight around. My body felt like it was a little bit inhibited as far as physical performance. I didn't need to go back to being super, super thin and unwell, but I was noticing that, mm, okay, I realized that in recovery, sometimes weight gain is required. And I can't really, I can't really think about it. I just have to focus on my relationship with food and my health. And that's what I did. And then I reached a point where I was just feeling like, Oh, I, I want to be a little healthier. And so I started looking into popular, healthy diets that I could use. And I tried it all. I tried it all. Everything that was touted as healthy and fat loss friendly, I was going to try it. And I was going to try it in a, a safe way. So I tried low carb. Of course, I did the paleo thing. I did the whole 30 thing. And I did something called warp speed, which my gym was promoting at the time. And I did intermittent fasting, like all these things that can be touted as helping you to be healthier. But guess what I found? Diets, they don't give a shit about your health. 
because they're all designed to be extremely temporary. And if we look at the consequences that occur because of yo-yoing, weight goes up, weight comes down, healthy behaviors go up, they come down, it's it's catastrophic. It's not healthy for your body to be fluctuating like that. So I didn't realize that even though a diet is marketed as being health promoting, that they're so full of shit because I would try these things and I would experience a little bit of success. I would lose a couple pounds maybe, but my behaviors were still very restricted and very rigid. And I felt justified because I was following the rules, right? And as long as I followed the rules, well, this must be healthy because it's, it's promoted. And I read about it on Dr. Oz, or I watched it on Dr. Oz. Oprah was talking about it, like whatever. So I thought as long as I followed the rules perfectly, I would be okay. And I would still be healthy because I wasn't manipulating the plan and I was performing well. And performance was always going to be a, a metric of success for me because I would never let myself get to the point where whatever I ate was pulling from what my body could do. No more. I was over that. And I realized this isn't actually helping anyone because while I was doing this in my life, remember I was a personal trainer at this time. I was also helping my clients to achieve fat loss in their lives. And we were doing these eight week programs, like biggest loser programs and who can lose the most weight in this short period of time. And a lot of the times my teams won because I was obsessed with this stuff. And I was sharing all of the knowledge that I knew with my clients who were getting amazing results. But then I would hear them say things like, Oh my gosh, I can't wait for this to be over so I can go home and eat cake or I can go home and eat ice cream or I can finally go to Chick-fil-A again. I would hear things like that. And it got me thinking, am I really helping anyone? If they're being strict and aggressive for a short window of time, eight, 12 weeks, and then they're just undoing it all. Now my undergrad degree was in health psychology. So I started making this connection between our behaviors and our coping mechanisms and how someone can temporarily change the skin that they're wearing, right? I can temporarily follow a rigid set of rules, but my behavior will always default back to what is comfortable if it's not sustainable. So all these people, I would see them repeat, repeat, repeat multiple times a year. They would join every challenge we offered at the gym and they would see great results, but then they would go right back to where they were. And so finally the pieces started falling into place. And I realized, wait a second, not only am I doing this thing, trying to follow the rules perfectly, and maybe I'd see a little bit of success, but then I would go back to, you know, what was comfortable and I I couldn't really figure it out. But my clients were showing me the exact same thing. And for whatever reason, we're really, really bad at recognizing what's going on in our own lives. And we're really, really good at recognizing what's going on in other people's lives. (laughs) So at the time I was like, holy shit, I have to do something better than this. I have to do something different than this. But first I've got to get my own shit together (laughs) again, right? Because this stuff is cyclical. We never actually recover from disordered eating. That's why I always say, I think in my intro of this podcast, it says I'm a recovering disordered eater because there are always going to be seasons of my life where those habits 
those coping mechanisms kind of creep back up and it's my job. And the further I get from that place in my life, the easier it is, but it's my job to recognize that those things no longer serve me and to choose what does. And so finally, finally, I got a good, healthy grasp on my relationship with food. And I, once again, was forced into it. Because at this time, I was still overtraining. I was trying to set a goal for a half marathon and I was fueling well. I was supporting my sport and my relationship with food was great. I reached a point where I wouldn't cut anything out. I wouldn't even cut things out for Lent or these challenges that we would do at the gym because I was like, you know what? I think what I need to do is add more to my life and not subtract more. So I would add things like doing 10 minutes of journaling or what I do with my clients. Most of the time, what we need to do is add nourishment and add fuel and not remove, remove, remove. That's what dieting does. And it doesn't work. It's been demonstrated a billion times. So my relationship with food was fantastic. I had reached a point where I felt really, really good. I was no longer fearing food. I was no longer obsessed over the calories that were in food. I stopped calorie counting altogether, which was a major hurdle for me. And I didn't need that external validation. I felt good. But while I was training for this half marathon, I fractured my hip. Bed rest for a month which set me back because here I was thinking I had done this great thing and I had come so far with my relationship with food. And now my body fails me by breaking a hip like an 80 year old woman. Who am I? But here's the thing, friends. Here's the thing. When we deprive and when we restrict aggressively by way of dieting, thinking we're doing a good thing, but in fact, we're actually starving our bodies of nourishment. We don't often see the consequences right away. Sure, sometimes we do, sometimes we do. A lot of the times we don't. And this is exactly what happened. At the time, my relationship with food was beautiful. It had gotten to a really healthy, nourishing place. But because of the years prior that I had spent restricting my caloric intake and overtraining, my bones had become Swiss cheese. And so now I was forced to face the consequence of choices I had made years, years, years past. And let me tell you, nothing sucks quite as much or few things suck quite as much as that because here I am having come so far and now I have to accept that this is my fault. This is my doing. I'm the one who ate that way and punished my body instead of nourishing her and restricted and followed those rigid rules and tried to take, 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 take away. And now here's my consequence. Now this cycle went on to repeat itself a couple years later because several years ago, guess what? I had a spinal fracture. Not only was it bad enough to break my hip, I had to go and break my back because of all those years before when I was an asshole to my body. So I know you're listening to this and as humans, we tend to look short-term. We're short-sighted. And you're thinking, well, nothing's terrible now, right? Like I'm probably not adequately nourishing my body, but it's okay. Like I'm not getting sick all the time and I don't, I don't I still have my periods. So like how bad can things be? Let me tell you friends, things can be pretty freaking bad and it might not come to show up in your life until a long time down the road. It took years for my body to finally break because of the repeated 
physical activity that never stopped. It got healthier, my relationship with movement and workouts, but my body eventually was like, hey, no, we don't have the strong foundation we need. So breaking bones was the only option. So many people get to a point in their life where they're forced to change their relationship with food. Their doctor gives them a diagnosis of diabetes or high blood pressure or high cholesterol, or we're forced to for some other reason because our bodies start failing us. Then take a look at our relationship with food and say, what am I doing wrong? What needs to change? And so I want to be the person in your life that says, friends, now, now you're worthy of nourishment and forever in the future. But now is the time to capitalize on making sure that you are doing everything in your power to nourish your body so powerfully and make sure that you are fueling your life so adequately that you are set for lifetime success. And if someone had helped me do that years before, I could have eliminated so much pain and so much suffering if I had better, healthier coping mechanisms, if I had started therapy and been able to talk through my grief and my sorrow, my sadness, my anger sooner, I wouldn't have needed food to be the balm for my soul. I could have chosen a healthier behavior and I would not have needed to suffer from those consequences as a result of robbing nutrients from my body. And so there you are right now listening to this podcast episode and your relationship with food, let me ask you, is it giving back to your life or is it sucking from your life? And I don't mean just today. I mean five years from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, where will you be because of how you fed your body? I'm getting super fired up. I hope you can hear that through this microphone, but can you see why? Can you see that I have been there? I have struggled through the psychological aspect, tying my worth to my food behaviors because I thought it would in some way make me better. I was wrong. Relying on diets, even ones that were deemed health promoting to solve my problem because I didn't feel comfortable in my body and I wanted to improve my health, but I didn't know any other way to do that. It doesn't work. Dieting isn't the answer. And it breaks my heart when I see so many people pursue these deprivation-based diets over and over and over again, depleting from their body, not adequately nourishing their bodies, taking away from, cutting calories unnecessarily, punishing themselves by overtraining and working out unnecessarily. This breaks my heart because I know what's on the other side of that coin. I did it so aggressively. I just saw it a bit sooner than most people. Recovering all or nothing thinker here, friends. When I do something, I do it hardcore. I want you to learn from my mistakes. Do not what you're going through mentally, emotionally, psychologically with food coping mechanisms, whether it's eating too much or not eating enough. That's a moot point. It doesn't matter. Find effective coping mechanisms. This is, I work on this so much with my coaching clients because I want you to have all the tools in your toolbox and I don't want your health 
your nourishment strategy to be tied with what's going on otherwise in your life, your stress, your sadness. I want you to have effective coping mechanisms to deal with those things. And when you decide, should you decide, I'd like to live in a leaner, healthier body. I want you to have the tools to do that too. But dieting is not the answer. You must learn how to listen to what your body is telling you. Listen to the signs and the signals that she is sending you. I wish I would have. I wish I would have so much sooner. I never took a rest day. I never realized when my body was starting to feel worn out. I never stopped when I was feeling dizzy or lightheaded. I I never listened. I was following the rules like a good girl should. And I'm willing to bet that you're trying to do the same thing but it's not going to work. Not long-term anyway. All diets have a start date and an end date. And just like all of my clients that I walked through those fat loss challenges, you'll see great success. All diets work. Yes, they do for a period of time. They work. But what happens after week eight? What happens after day 30? Will you revert back to your old comfortable behaviors? Or have you actually, actually invested in something that teaches you how to listen to your body and create true lasting behavior change, meaning healthy habits to replace the habits that you don't feel good about so that adequately nourishing your body becomes routine. It's just something you do and you get to a point where you don't even think about it much anymore because now you have metrics in your life, like your physical activity, how you feel on a daily basis, your energy level, your sleep, your stress management, your clothing fit. You have all these things in your life that are saying, hey, things are feeling really good or hey, I think we're in need of a bit of correction. Things aren't feeling so great. That is what I do for my one-on-one coaching clients. And it's what I want to do for you. Basically saving you years of struggle, saving you pain, saving you time, saving you money, saving you precious life. Because I, I've been there and I've learned the lesson and I want to help you learn it now, not a decade from now in your life right now. I want you to learn how to listen to your body and how to powerfully nourish it to make sure that you are as fed and as fueled as possible. And you feel as fantastic as possible mentally and physically. And if you want to achieve fat loss, that's not a bad thing. So long as it is healthy for you, fat loss is not a bad thing, but how we go about it can either be extremely beneficial or detrimental. And I want to help you achieve the former. I want to help you achieve fat loss that lasts as a result of a confident relationship with food that is rooted in health, not deprivation. And if that's what you want too, if you resonated with any piece of my story and you want to capitalize on your relationship with food now, you want to change it now before it's too late, before you have to suffer adverse consequences, before you struggle for another single day. Take action now because you're worthy of feeling nourished. I'm on the other side, guys, and it's freaking fantastic to not think about food, to not worry about food, to not obsess over food, and to instead feel as though it adds so much more to my life than it takes away. 
I want that for your relationship with food. Now, I know not everyone can be a one-on-one coaching client. I want that. I really do because I want us to work one-on-one together to help you achieve your big, powerful goals as we walk hand in hand from where you are now to ultimately where you want to be. That's the dream. And if that's you, fill out a coaching application like yesterday because we need to work together. But I know that one-on-one coaching isn't for everyone. And so I have created an online offering that allows us to work together, not in a one-on-one capacity, but in an online course capacity with some supplementary group coaching. If that's something that you're interested in, this is going to walk you through the process of how to master your mindset muscle, all about how to create that caloric deficit required for fat loss, but in a healthy, sustainable way. I'm teaching you all about macronutrients, proteins, carbohydrates, and fats, everything you need to know about how food works and how it works in your unique body. If that is something that you feel like you would benefit from, you absolutely, absolutely must sign up for my Fat Loss That Lasts Academy. It's a seven-week online course. It launches this Saturday, February 1st. So if you're listening to this podcast episode, you are hearing this before anybody else. I'm giving you a sneak peek, an insider glance. I absolutely want this to be in your hands. Don't wait. Launch is Saturday. Make sure you're on my email list. If you're not, head over immediately to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com and sign up for my email list. In fact, I will make it one step easier for you and I'm gonna drop a link in the show notes here. So click on that link, drop your email in there and you will be the first to know when the Fat Loss That Last Academy launches and is open for enrollment. Friends, I am so excited about this online course. I have spent the past several months pouring my heart and my soul, all of my experience, all of my education into this course because I want fat loss that lasts for you so you can ditch diet culture forever because it only robs, it never gives, and I want you to feel as nourished and as confident in your beautiful body. And I want you to start that today. Not wait for it to come. Start today. Take action today. And that's the beautiful part about this online course is everything you learn, you can implement in your life right away. And I am going to be there to help you every step of the way because we're going to be in a Facebook group together where I'm going to be helping to coach you going live on all of the modules. You need this. You need this resource in your life. I wish, I wish more than anything that I had this in my life years ago when I was struggling. I just needed someone to give me this information and walk with me as I was trying to apply it in my life, it would have saved me so much pain and so much struggle and so much time. And I want that for you. Visit the link in the show notes below, my friends. Make sure your email is in there because launch day is coming. It's only a few days away. And friends, if you can relate to any piece of the small bit of my story that I shared with you today, I would love to hear from you. Genuinely, I would love it if you would shoot me a message on Instagram, on Facebook, drop me an email. I want to hear from you because no matter where you are in your journey, I want you to know that you're not alone. You are not alone. And if I can help you in any way, in any way, I am here for you. Sign up for the Fat Loss That Last Academy, friends. It's going to change and transform your life forever. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. 
If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.